Don't you know draw a job everywhere, draw a job everywhere, draw a job everywhere, you can stop it. Come on, back up in a bowl and throw it one day. Hey, Murph here. I'm a former heroin addict, current alcoholic, and you're tuned into Self-Medicated Weekly Dose, a podcast all about drugs and the people who use them. As always, this program is inspired by the harm reduction movement, informed by my personal experience using all sorts of drugs for damn near 30 years, and enlightened by my special guests. And today, have I got a wonderful fella on your hand, on my hands, and he's going to be on your hands very soon. He's a writer, comedian, actor, currently living in Los Angeles, California. He co-wrote Showgirls, the best movie ever made, ever, and is the co-host of the podcast Two Old Queens. He's won five Moth Story Slams and one Grand Slam. He's also the author of this hilarious memoir, Baked, Sex, Drugs, and Alternative Comedy. Please welcome to the program, John Flynn. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. You're too kind. Too kind. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, your fans have waited all day in line. Oh, anything for my fans. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. So great to see your your lovely face. It's been a while. How are you? I'm doing great. I mean, you know, living in living the dream in Los Angeles. Very exciting. How about you? Sure. What a town. Yeah, I'm I'm here in Portland. So, uh, you know, we uh, so I tell for the listeners, uh, I know John for many years ago from uh, being at the UCB Theater in New York. Yeah. Um, and uh, you were kind of bi-coastal then. You know, you, you were going back and forth a lot. A little um, bit, yeah. And uh, but then, you know, you uh, you know, you, you left us for good uh, at a certain point, And we we're all very sad. <laughs> we all must. Yes. Yes, we must. Uh, and uh, so so I've made my way sort of out to the West Coast. It, we're you know, it's a long coast. So we're You're on the West Coast. There. You definitely are there. I'm there. I'm there. Um, but yeah, I wanted to, uh, you know, because it's not every day. I'm very excited. We get an author of, of an actual book about drugs on here. So sure. we have some great segments lined up. We'll dive into it as per usual on the program. But before we get into those, I wanted to just discuss this because. You know, this is I'm just going to read this quote right in the beginning here from uh, veteran improviser Ben Rogers. Uh, He says, everyone at the UCB theater has a story that begins with. So I had one of John Flynn's pot cookies. Now, I can attest to that. Me and my wife, Diana, (laughs) the very first time I I sampled your cookies was at DCM, an improv marathon that they have every year at the UCB. A debaucherous experience. At least it was back in the day. (laughs) Uh, Had your cookies then. I'll tell you, you know, there were some people around afterwards who sold some cookies after you. Nothing touches the John Flynn cookies. Really? Wow. Oh, big time. I'm, I'm fine. I'm not going to name names, but I'm fine. <laughs> uh, and also, you know, as a drug dealer myself, <laughs> as a drug dealer myself, you, uh, I want to say you ran a, a, a very legitimate, maybe be it illegitimate, but operation right. here. This is not just, you know, selling on the weekends. This was your full-time gig. Uh, I, I'd say that the kind of drugs I sold and, and how I sold them was more like if someone said they were a server at McDonald's versus a, uh, you were a server at Peter Luger's Steakhouse, which those sure. people in New York know is a great establishment. Uh, someone you can mm. trust. Consistency's good. The meat's Solid good. Solid cut of meat. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so tell us, uh, tell us what the you know what what inspired because uh, this is just such a great job of weaving together your personal uh, with the you know the more fun salacious stories that that bring people to the to the book in the first place. So tell us that uh, you did a great job doing that. Um, Thank you. I t- tell us what, what you know. What kind of pushed you into uh, into writing this? Oh uh, well, I mean, I got into the business of selling pot cookies just because uh, I needed money. Uh, the showgirl show that uh, you just mentioned, um, Jackie Clark and I wrote, and it was it got some success and was being invited to perform at all these different festivals all over the country. And so we needed we had a cast of eight. We needed money to fly them everywhere because we didn't want the cast to have to pay their own way. And so it was initially intended to be this sort of like one off one night thing, um, but it became very popular. People really loved them, and uh, it was like you know this was in the mid aughts, so this was before weed was legal and edibles especially were very exotic at the time you know like at the time you know like as you know early on in my like most 
most people of my age at first sure, you just I'm bought there. weed there was no like oh it's this kind it comes from this thing and it has these side effects it was just like you buy this weed that's in this bag and so i don't know there was something about that that was just so so that's all i sold was cookies i didn't sell weed and you know i just only made but i just put weed and cookies and that was it and uh it was a really fun job and i just loved uh doing it i think i had the right personality for it in that yes you know like you just meet a bunch of people you have five minute conversations all the time uh you know you're just sort of in and out and of course like when you're a drug dealer you're sort of like the 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 celebrity like every time you show up somewhere people are like yay you're here so it was really fun and then uh you know i got out of the game but then like it was just a thing that like I'd done, uh, you know, I told stories on stage and people really, people, it was something that people always asked about. And I just thought like I had so much story and so much material there. I tried to do a one person show, but it felt like it was impossible to get everything I wanted there into like that structure. Yeah. So uh, I decided, uh, you know, I tried my hand at writing a book and then our mutual friend, Will Hines, who's published a lot of books and he was working on creating his own sort of like publishing imprint. He said uh, he would, he wanted to publish it. So that's how it happened. It happened uh, in a very organic, nice way. Yeah, that's I mean, you know, and like you said too, the, uh, the having the personality for because this was also a delivery service as well. This was yeah, pretty much I did not have, there was no storefront. It was. Yeah. yeah well, of course, again, for the kids, you know, thinking yeah. of who the hell are these two dinosaurs and what are they talking about? This was way back in the day. This is before well before any dispensaries were around well before. So yeah. This was kind of a delivery service that you, you know, you pounded the pavement around 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 uh, around New York City to deliver around New York. Stuff. But New York is a great city to travel through, you know, and, yeah. uh, you know, and it's, it's such an exciting I don't know. I just love New York. Like New York is a city you can live there your whole life and you still find stuff to discover. Like from one block to the next, it feels like a totally different world sometimes. Yes. And so it was just great to just meet all these different kinds of people. I got, you know, like invited to people's houses. I went to a lot of uh, parks usually was like the first place people wanted me because they're like, I don't know how this guy is. And then, you know, it's funny, like when people I meet people for the first time, they're like, oh, you look like Howdy Doody or Conan O'Brien. They're like, oh, I'm not. <laughs> so then people were like, oh, just come into my office. And so like there was a lot of offices in New York City. They're like, oh, the drug guy's here, you know. <laughs> Um, but, you know, I got, you know, into people's apartments, people's houses, people at their jobs. Like I had, you know, you know, stuff like this is in the book. But, you know, like I had someone who worked at the Met. And so she would sometimes bring me back to like see all this, you know, like artwork that was just like in the in backstage. I don't know. If that's the correct term for a museum backstage yeah. you know, or auction houses or different, you know, like writers rooms and all just kinds of different places. And it was just so fun and exciting to spend your day being like, I'm going on a whole bunch of mini adventures. Yes. And, what a gig. Uh, I think you just have to be someone who's like comfortable with just, cause there are some weirdos and some like awkward people. I'm also like a big guy. So like, there's not a lot of people who I was like intimidated or worried by, you know? Sure. Sure. You're, you are a big, that smile, that smile though. You're a big fuss. So wow. you're also not too intimidating yourself. I will say from the other end, That's, from a, yeah, <laughs> sure, looking, sure. looking yeah, up yeah. at you. Uh, yeah, yeah, I also think people weren't worried, like, what's going to be in this cookie? Like, is this going to be glass? Like, you know, is it going to be gravel or glass in here? <laughs> yes. Right? Is this the old, uh, yeah, razor blades in the apple situation? <laughs> what is this? Yeah, no, I think, uh, and you know, that, that is something that's, that's, that's funny to, 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 you mentioned about, about the, uh, you know, what's going to be in this and with edibles and stuff. And I think why you're, you're, you're so popular with this business is that, you know, I mean, people, I feel like you find something that you like and you know, it's going to be good. like, that's, that's tough when it comes to, you know, off label, like just drugs in general. I mean, let right, alone, right, right. Uh, you know, let alone baked goods. Um, mm -hmm. I feel like, yeah. Cause growing up, like occasionally people would try their hand. I remember like a rice krispie treats or, you know, something yeah. like, you go to a festival, you know, you get into the parking lot, I'm saying a you know, fish or everything or whatever the, mm -hmm. the band, whatever the show is, but you sometimes get in the parking lot, you get something decent here and there. But again, you just never know. Uh, right. you don't know, and also you don't with know. edibles, it's like, take it, it takes about an hour, and by that time, whoever you bought them from is gone. Long so gone, really yes. It would be a really easy way to scam people. Yes, yes. Yeah. And there's a lot of stories in there, too, about, you know, the wait in an hour thing is, 
again, in the early days, now you go to a dispensary, it's all labeled, it's all very clear, you know, saying mm-hmm. you can always take more, you know, can't take less. Right, yeah. But, you know, when you first start munching on edibles, you're always just like, like I don't know, it's, it been, it's been, te- yeah, I got <laughs> to get more here. And then next thing you know, you're off, off, you know, you're going to up and away. <laughs> yeah, so I feel like that's part of uh, part of the experience here too. Uh, that was that was very positive for people. Um, Definitely. Well, also like the great thing about edibles too is you can have them and no one knows. You know, like like uh, sales will go up significantly right before Thanksgiving because people will be like, "I need these to have at home," and I can like eat half a cookie, and no one's going to be like, "What's it smells like weed in here?" Whereas like you can't right. like go for a walk or like go to the bathroom where people are like, "Oh, what have you been doing?" Like so, <laughs> yes. like it had. It has a lot of that. They're perfect for going to see movies because you would eat the cookie, then go buy your ticket, get your popcorn or whatever. And, so, you know, you're totally fine. And then if you time it just right. Yeah. Uh, as soon as the, those previews as as end, you over, start like, to go. Here we go. And we're off. So, yeah. yeah. So it's it, they're they're great for a lot of ways. You, know, you also mentioned uh, in here. Uh, yeah, they are great th- for a lot of clientele, too, because you mentioned uh, singers and Broadway folk and stuff that you're selling yeah. to. Also, you know, people don't want to puff for whatever reason. Don't like to smoke. Right, right. Got to protect so you, the you, gift, you, the voice. Yeah, the gift. Of course. <laughs> yes. Uh, which is always nice to, to uh, you know, you had you had a wide range of clientele, but the comedians, I think, in terms of, uh, you know, and I know you branched out beyond this, but I would say it's fair to say your bread and butter being at That's the UCB started, and starting definitely. out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah it started at uh, a uh, Christmas party at the UCB theater. That was the first night where we just made more money than we thought we were going to. It was, it, yes. yeah, it was it was magical. <laughs> I remember. Yes, I remember. And then you're a bartender at the theater as well. So you very yeah. much. John Flynn was known as, as a man of merriment. Mr. Feelgood. Yeah, yeah. Yes. yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Can you talk um, to your mood? Come to me. <laughs> uh, yes, absolutely. Now, what? Uh, now, in terms of the the uh, the book itself, right in this process, did you talk to a lot of the? Because it seems you know we've come a ways you know uh, uh, culturally, and I'll even say legally. And you also sure. mentioned in the beginning of this book as well, which I thought was just a very thoughtful thing uh, in terms of you know we still got people in jail for for marijuana yeah. offenses. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think there's there, there's 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 a big push, obviously, you know, gearing towards that. But I think the acknowledgement of that. And of your circumstances while selling this, but also of the people in here who are a lot of very open with their name and stuff being used, which is an exciting thing. It's not like a, how has this happened? I'm like, I, but I think it has come a long way because I would even say if you wrote this book, let's say when we were coming up, like, you know what I mean? It feels yeah, like yeah, the like right 10 time. Years ago, it 10 years different. ago, even people might be like, you know, I don't know if I want my I name, but know. it feels like, yeah. and you, you did a good job of some names. Of course, there's no reason to have in here, but for the most <laughs> part, people giving the. No, if, if anyone's name is in the book, it's they okayed it. So there was no one who I would say, but I would also say this. When people are really famous, they tend not to buy their own drugs. They have yes. other people buy the drugs for them. <laughs> oh, so I was told by a lot of people, oh, do you know who like your cookies? And then all these names. I was like, oh, wow. OK, that's so, so funny. Uh, yes. I hope to one day meet those people. And <laughs> <laughs> one one removed. You're one person removed from these cookies. Exactly. The assistant, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, that is funny. Um, yeah, because why would you buy your drugs when you're very famous? That makes sense. Exactly. Yeah. Like they're going to risk getting caught when they're like, I'll send my send the assistant. And if they get caught, we'll pay for their legal things Whatever, no big deal. But yeah. Well, yeah, it's a it's a wonderful book. I would I would say everyone's got to get out there and get it. Uh, baked a memoir from John Flynn. Uh, we're going to dive into uh, some segments we have here today. The first one we're just going to you know keep keep the uh, the edibles ball rolling here. The ball of okay. edibles. We're going to keep the weed butter ball rolling here with our first <laughs> segment called uh, This is the Substance Report. This is the question: Do junkies' lives matter? So, John, yeah. What a great question. Yeah. Tough questions. <laughs> you know, what, what I like to do here is the mainstream media's narrative on substance use has always been trash. So I like to mm-hmm. take some of the top drug-related stories in the news, give them, you know, a fresh perspective here from the Weekly Dose. All right. Let's hear it. 
This one comes to us from Salon. Uh, the headline here is why eating cannabis edibles feels so different from smoking weed, according to experts. Wow. Uh, these experts. I can't wait to hear about this. Nightmare trips are much more common with eating edibles. There's a bizarre scientific explanation as to why that is. Uh, so now, first off, you know, this is a nice little, little, you know, just just a whiff of of uh, of, of reefer madness here from Salon. This is a fun. little bit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in this day, this is this article from, I think, today or yesterday. So they're, so they're still at it. They're still going at it. Uh, but, you know, obviously, you know, this is as silly as saying, like, I don't know, like, you know, drinking something feels mm. different from smoking it, shooting it up. Like, yeah, yeah, of yeah. course, different <laughs> in ways of ingestion. Eating your vegetables different. feels different than drinking them. Oh, <laughs> inter- oh wow. Interesting. This yes. is news. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's that. There is, I guess I will say, you know, just from a non-scientific standpoint, expert being someone who's ingested a lot of drugs over the years, is that there is a different high, I would say, and, and it comes on differently, of course. Sure. Um, but in terms of the nightmare trip, I would say that this falls back on the fact that a lot of people, when they talk about edibles, are in the, the circumstances we mentioned earlier, which are bought it in a parking lot at a show or got right. it, you know, but before you had the dispensaries. Right. They didn't know. So this is just another reason for, you know, uh, cause for, for uh, legalization, but also just or find, a, you know, a wonderful, um, you know, charming local drug dealer like Flynn, who has <laughs> the consistency <laughs> uh, to be able to, to, to give it to you. So, so, you know, in your experience, did you get a lot of this of people kind of saying, wow, this was a completely different experience from smoking? And like you said, you never even sold flour. You were just a straight edibles. Yeah, I mean, I think it's true. But that's also like people's, you know, uh, biology is different. Like some people are allergic to things. Some people, cilantro tastes like soap. So yeah, I mean, I definitely had some people who would use them to help them go to sleep. Some people, and some people are just like, they just make me crazy. I don't like them. You know, like, or some people have one. I think a lot of it too is people getting impatient and not knowing how to dose themselves on something, you know, like as we talked about, like just being like, it's been 20 minutes, I need more. And you're like, no, 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 no. (laughs) Um, So yeah, the fact that it is different is, it would be surprising if it wasn't. So it totally makes sense. And yeah, uh, people respond to them differently. I mean, I knew I do know some people were just like, I cannot eat, I cannot eat it. It's just it really freaks me out, or yeah. it just made them like an insatiable like cookie monster where they just couldn't stop eating, you know. So you have to know yourself, basically, is what it is. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like you know a lot of this too feels like it's you're talking about people who are once you get to be an adult, it's like you had your experimentation time, you know. You figure you're like right, you, you should know yourself. I mean, not saying maybe someone says, hey, at thirty years old, I want to start you know, uh, eating weed, but like, you know, for the most part, I feel like that, that's the experimentation that you hope to do with people who are, you know, friends and you're around and you figure out your, your, your limits and your place. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yeah. Yep. Yep. On all that. Uh, but you know, again, sometimes I don't know if this was your experience at UCB, but occasionally there's people, you know, who come, come to the fold, maybe just a little bit late on things, maybe theater kids who are like, oh, I didn't party oh, sure, much definitely. in high school, you know, and I'm, I'm now I'm off to the big city and I'm getting crazy. Uh, you know, but still a good community for that. I suppose, uh, it's better than, than, than most, uh, you know, maybe not on stage. You shouldn't. I remember there's a few people I have some oh, yeah. nightmare stories about, and I don't even particularly like to be as stoned on stage. What are your thoughts in terms of? Is uh, a great storyteller host host a show for many years of storytelling. Do you? How high do you like to get on stage, if at all? I don't like to. I. I mean, I've, the times that I've done it mostly have been when it's like, hey, at this show, everyone's going to get high and right, like right, right. tell stories or do stand up or whatever that is. And I find that I, I don't think it helps for me. Yeah, it same. Help. And it's funny. I had a lot of, there were a lot of, you know, because it was the improv community. A lot of people would be like, oh, I'm going to have one, you know, at right at the top of the show. And, you know, to see what it does, whatever. And they would usually just spend the rest of the show hugging the back line. Because you just <laughs> yes. so in your head. And, you know, yep. Yep. those situations where it's like, we're all high and everyone and the audience knows. And that's, that's what they bought their ticket for and all that stuff. But I don't know, to me, I guess 
I, it, I'm sure for some people it works because like, there's things like there's some people who get high all the time and then they are very functioning. And there's some people who are like, oh no, I've I've gotten high and I have to close the door and 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 hide from the world. So <laughs> yeah. I'm sure for some people that works. I'm not one of those people for whom that works. Um, and so I never. I mean, I experimented, you know, a couple of times, like for like, but it, it was always like low stakes thing. Like at an open mic, I'd be like, okay, I'll have this cookie and see how it feels. Yes. But, uh, but the results for me were always like lame. You know what I yeah. mean? It was just like, you, you, you just stumbled and muttered and looked like an idiot. So I was never a big fan of it, but there are some people who I sold to, like there was someone, uh, there's one comic who I would go, they would have me deliver to them during their shows. Like I would come up on stage and sell them drugs during their show and then they would take one and go on with their show and i would leave and i don't know what it was like for the audience because he never really explained what was happening so it was just like some howdy doody came on and he sold him some cookies left and then this guy went on with his set like it was i don't know what that audience thought was happening (laughs) that's bizarre (laughs) but you know for those people great god bless but overall for me it for me it doesn't work yeah, same. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I get, I get to be very quiet and in the head, which is immediately a sign. I think people would know to be like, oh, he's fucked up in some way if he's not out here, you know, hooting and hollering and doing his right. thing. <laughs> I get, I go, I go, I hug that back wall for sure. Um, yeah, I, I uh, so you know, Salon, thanks for the, thanks for this little piece. Thanks of, for hard hitting journalism. Wow, really? Yeah, really tough. I mean, I guess they say so here, brave of them. What makes edibles? What is it? What makes edibles so unpredictable in a way that inhaling? The reason is that eating cannabis produces metabolites that are technically a different drug from THC. And ty- I mean, this feels like uh, I mean that might be true, but I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. I mean, it may it may very well be, but it feels like one of those things where I'm like, who cares? Even if it is, you know, right. like, I don't know what this, and if you're, if you're right, into science, like, oh, it's, oh, it, it, it turns it into a total, it's not like it turns cocaine into crack. You know what I mean? Right, right. Or this is LSD. <laughs> all the THC is now LSD in this, in this. They're going to start tripping. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It feels a little bit like a, a, you know, Ooh, spooky. Um, clickbait. Boo. 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 Um, now one last thing I wanted to ask you too, about, about your, your own business here is like, do you feel I feel like if I were a customer of yours now, let's say, as these uh-huh. dispensaries are opening, if you were still in the in the game, I right. feel like it's the kind of thing that you would want to even stick with your person. You know what I mean? Like, would you feel threatened if if the if the if the business had opened up as it, you know, as it did eventually? But let's say you were still in the game as it was happening, because it happened like pretty slowly, relative. It was a few years where like this state, now that state. It took right, New right, York. Right. And New I York. was only, I only did it in New York and it, and it hadn't happened at all by the time right. I got it. But let's just theoretically unit. say, hypothetically say, if, if, if it were, uh, if it were to happen, like, I feel like you built enough of a, of a rapport with your clientele that you wouldn't even, I think you might so. lose some, but not, not most. I think, yeah, I think you would definitely. Cause also there's an element of convenience, but also I delivered. So it's not like people ever had to come to me. So it was very sort of like, for the most part, I was, pre- you know, it was pretty easy for me to just come to wherever people were. That's right. Whenever they needed me to. Yeah. And I think also too, like the, the level of trust in that relationship, because that was something too, that was really nice too, was the people who I knew over the year, you know, like knew over years and got to know, you know. Uh, so I think that this definitely was something, I think I definitely could have stayed on. I might've had to adapt and like maybe do more specialized things or try to do more stuff that, that, you know, dispensaries weren't doing, but also like Mike Drug. <laughs> I found a method to make these cookies really effective for really cheap. So my rates were really cheap too. Yes. So yes. I think like, I, yeah, I mean, I think I probably could have survived. You have them beat on a lot of levels. Yeah. <laughs> you do have them beat on a lot of levels. The delivery, yeah, they're not delivered. You know, they'd be like, hey, listen, right. these dispensaries. I mean, the thing up. I used to joke about is the thing that would probably have shut me down would have been health code violations because I just made them in my kitchen and my kitchen was clean, but was it like, 
you oh, know yes you know like absolutely sure. like legal clean you know what i mean like yep, who knows yep. probably it wasn't but it was fine <laughs> well it was a new york city kitchen yeah <laughs> exactly yeah um yeah so if you don't have the money to grease the wheels it's like all new york city kitchens are, are not not <laughs> yeah, the exactly. best you don't want to peek behind the curtain in any of the spots no 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 um yeah that's funny yeah yeah i feel like uh i, I think that's probably true i also think there's uh you get into this a little bit later in, in the book about um about the mail order service as well, which kind of became oh, yeah. a little bit of, of, of an issue for, for you. Uh, <laughs> it did, Cause that's yeah. something that obviously the dispensaries are, you know, you ain't getting in the mail from them either. Uh, but I think no. that's something, there's probably a reason there's a whole nother laundry list of things you got to consider when you're mailing it out. And I think you had a, true. an issue with the FedEx delivery, which kind of became a little dicey. Yeah. That became sort of the beginning of the end for me. Yeah. 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 What I found out early, later was that, uh, if you send them FedEx or like UPS, they're allowed to look at packages if they've deemed them. If I'd sent them through regular mail, they can't do that. USPS, a, right. That, yeah, yeah. So I was like, oh, had I been doing that? But yeah. the post office near near my place was very many blocks away. There's a UPS just a block away. You know, of course, it's convenience. It's really what it is, yeah. Sure. But they, yeah, with convenience comes the, yeah, we can maybe uh, take a <laughs> peek inside of here if we want. Mm-hmm. Um, again, it's a, great, it's a great, great book. I recommend definitely picking it up. There's a lot of personal... Fun stories, and like you said, some some uh, some famos in here. We've especially gone on certainly <laughs> since, definitely uh, to heights as 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 we know a lot of our uh, our, our friends at UCB. Um, so yeah, I think uh, I think that there's 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 a lot to be uh, to be to be gleaned from this book, and uh, you know, th- uh, thank you for writing it, even from a perspective of the stigma. And- well, thank you, and also there's it teaches you how to make them yourselves if you're interested in doing. I that. mean, there you so go. That, now we're to the next generation of, of Jonathan. Let's see if we can take on big cannabis. Let's see if the, the mom and pop but can thank open you, up finally. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, let's uh, let's slide into our next segment here, um, John. There, you know, I'm a child of the '80s and. Uh, sure. You know, I feel like that period and into the early '90s even was that was the the golden age of the of the PSA, uh, the anti drug PSA. Absolutely. Thank you, Nancy Reagan. Yeah, big time. Uh, but you know, growing up, I always thought PSA stood for Propaganda Stigma and Alf. Losers are users, so don't use drugs. Don't use drugs. Ah! Ah! <laughs> Come to find out, it's, it's, a, it's a public service announcement of some sort. Um, so uh, this week I pulled this one. Now, I don't know if you're uh, how much uh, of the of the the show you watched, but there's a little program called Growing Pains that was on on television oh, for yeah, sure, many sure, years. Sure. And uh, there's an episode on this one, you know, and they did this a lot on shows. They'd start to do, you know, th- there's your your classic. Uh, uh, you know, uh, whatever drug free America people that put the commercials on. But then they, you know, they, they worked their way uh, into, uh, you know, the propaganda worked its way into some of the media that we were, of course, consuming. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of those shows that, that, that really went for it uh, was Growing Pains, where there was an episode that uh, I believe someone tried to sell Mike some Coke or something at a party. Wow. Uh, Seaver was. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I don't know that he now I'm trying to remember the friends, I think because there was uh, there was Booger, but wasn't Booger was a friend of one of the younger kids. I don't know who oh, was who, but like- there's. The bone or something like that. The bone, the bone, boner. Yes, yeah, boners to bone, right? That's right. Uh, yeah, that's a what a great boners to bone went on to do some some adult film acting. Couldn't well, do that today. No, Lord no, <laughs> Lord no. Yeah, boners to bone said no to coke. That was the real. The real. <laughs> There's your headline. So they had they had this uh, this episode where they were, where you know he was offered some cocaine. Said said took to, you know thought about it had had it's a, a str- internal struggle. Spoke to to his old man about it. But then this is the this is the post show. This is after the episode. Uh, they oh, really okay. wanted to hammer the point home, so they had Kirk as himself now, stepping out. A direct of address, direct address, uh, and it, it, very conceptual. I'll just let the piece uh, 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 speak for itself here. Let's take a look at. Can't wait. Right? 
struggling on that table. Hi. You know, a lot of people tell you that drugs are cool. And they're the same people who are saying that everybody's doing something, so what's your problem? Well, they're wrong. Everybody's not doing drugs, and you don't have to try them to be cool. Look, I'm not trying to tell you how to live your lives. But you but are. I am telling but you, you that <laughs> but you, you don't have to do something you don't want to just to keep your friends happy. I mean, if that's the way that they feel, then maybe they're not your friends. Ooh. And maybe they're not as cool as you thought they were. Mm. And one last thing. I'm not being paid to say this. This is how <laughs> I feel. And if you think that makes me uncool, then you're wrong. Huh. That's not what makes you uncool. No, that yeah, no. <laughs> so for the listeners, there's like a there's like a banquet table. I don't know like what the context weird party is. Of, scene, but it's like for uh, what's this party for? Because it's like age, teenagers and adults, but they're but it's also the '80s, so like everyone kind of looks like they're in their 30s. Yes, 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 exactly. It's hard to place the the age of, of the of the party Anyone. people at the party. Uh, the 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 it's a pretty fa- it looks a little fancier than like fancy a lot a of house party. Pads. A lot of, lot of power shoulder pads. Um, they, everyone freezes. They're, they're talking, laughing. And then right before camera walks out, everyone f- turns to the camera. The lights change. The lights change. They come right down the barrel and they freeze. He comes out, almost stumbles a bit getting on this table. He a sits on the table, yeah. the banquet table for some reason. <laughs> Real cash. Just Real talking. Cash. It's not a banquet table. <laughs> yep. And then it's sl- they're slowly pushing in on him throughout the, the mm-hmm. you know, it's it's a great direction. But everyone in the background is locked in eye contact to the camera. Like, Sylvester, Stab- the bone was there. The bone is in there. Yeah. The bone is frozen. <laughs> he's, he's not, he's in frame the entire time. He is. Um, um, there's no way he wasn't paid for that. Um, nonsense. I mean, also sad <laughs> to step in. Like, what was you? Yeah. Working with, he just did this for nothing. Uh, yeah, I'm not being paid for this. Is something someone who's being paid for things says. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Otherwise, you'd yeah. be like, why'd you mention that? I wouldn't have thought one way or the other. No right one now. was talking about money at all. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's like, this is just how I feel now. Kirk Cameron, I can do you know, this because I'm not buying drugs. That's that's why. right. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Yeah. So a powerful message that I feel like. Again, for the age that you wouldn't laugh at this, I mean, I mean, even as a teenager, you'd think you'd laugh. So let's say it's the younger crowd watching Growing Pains. Let's say you're, you know, 12 years old or something. But even then, it's more confusing when you go, why did Mike become, who's, who's Kirk? And what's, you know what I mean? Right. you didn't normally think of these people as no, who they no, no. were. You know, you see we the didn't credits, have social media no, then. We didn't know. We had no idea. We thought he was living in the garage. Yeah. Uh, in his parents' house. We didn't know. Uh, so that becomes confusing because he's like not being paid. It's like breaking the fourth wall. There's a lot going on there that I think muddles the message for children anyway. Yeah, uh, it's confusing. The lighting's terrible. Terrible lighting. Terrible. Lighting. <laughs> I mean, they made a lighting choice to change lighting. They did, but, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I mean, that was... You know, standard deaf, of course. We're trying to rip this from YouTube. Maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know. <laughs> maybe it's that. Maybe it's that. Maybe it's the media. Um, did you ever, do you remember there was one that Ali Sheedy did? Did you ever, have you ever played that one? Oh, you're talking about, no, I have not. But the crack, the crack one? No, I might be about crack. I just, to me, what I remember is that she, it was basically the same thing of like, hey, right. your friend, this impression you did, and you know, you don't have to do that. And then she's like, if any of your friends say anything, you can just tell them. Ali Sheedy said it's not cool. And I was like, who is that going to work for? <laughs> yes. Who? Some poor young girl tried that and was mocked mercilessly. Forever. For the rest for of her life. Yep. Yep. Would yep. your friend Ali Sheedy say it's okay that you don't do drugs? You know that haunted her for the rest of her days. Yeah. <laughs> she had to change girl. schools. She had to change schools. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, what a terrible piece of advice that's not going to help anyone. No, that's I funny. I think at I've... the time, I think it was one of those things because that was pretty popular to have like anti-drug episodes of shows. Sure. I think there was like a tax write-off for that. I think there had to be something where it was like, oh, this is right. good. You know, like I, th- there's no re- way because you know all those people were doing drugs and all of those writers. Were, all the time. No yeah, way. no, there was there was a just say no. The, the, the Reagan Nancy herself showed up on set. And was like, yeah, we'll give, yeah, yeah. So you know, there were, you're right. They're absolutely tax right, and none of that trickled down to to the actors. Apparently, according to Kirk, no, no, clearly they're doing it for free. That's right. Uh, Yeah, he did that whole season for free. Actually, he was just like, you know what? This means so much. This one's for God. This one's for God. This one's for God. Yes, just say yes to God if you say no to drugs. What a time that was uh, for 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 anti drug. Actually, PSAs. the first thing I did was an anti drug movie. It was like a like a. It wasn't an after school. Maybe it wasn't oh after school. God, John, where do we see this? It was called The Hard Facts About Drugs, Alcohol, Marijuana, Cocaine, and Crack. Uh, I don't know. I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. I have a VHS copy of it that I obviously have not watched in years. But what was funny is, so it was like filmed mostly in my high school, and so like a bunch of us auditioned. We were so excited we were going to be in a movie, and. Uh, I'm not in a lot. I'm basically just an extra. But the, there, there's like a framing device where it's like we're all coming in. It's our first day of school. And we're all like sitting down for the class picture. And they like there's a voiceover. It's like the first day of school. I wonder what happens to all of them. And so like they take a picture of all, you know, and there's like 20 of us. And then you know, like, then there's this where like kids are drinking and there's that whole thing. And like some kids die. And so then they cut back to that photograph. And those two kids who died, they disappear from the photograph. Oh, my. And then there's the, the marijuana one and someone dies. And then there's a cocaine one and the crack one. And so at the end, like, you know, like, like back it, to the future it, style. They're just disappearing exactly. from the photo. But randomly how it just randomly happened is i'm sitting in the center of all of the people who died <laughs> so at the end it's like me and a circle of empty chairs around me and pe- friends used to joke like oh it's like you gave them all the drugs and it turned out to be prophetic um <laughs> although as far as i know no one has died from any drugs that i've given them no no fentanyl yeah. in those john flynn cookies let's <laughs> no, be no, clear no. <clears throat> but, but yeah that's hilarious my, my cinematic acting debut well, I am doing a deep dive because, as you know, I, I'd love to pull some clips uh, for this show. I'm going to have to see if I can get my hands on that. All right. Because... Well, if you do, let me know because oh, I... Oh, God, yes. <laughs> uh, yes, maybe if you would ever come back on, we could wow, do a little mystery science to it. We could, we could watch it and talk about it. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> um, my goodness. Well, listen, those of us who've gotten into, into Baked uh, have learned a lot about you. But maybe for those of us uh, listeners who might not have... I'd like to uh, have a few uh, direct questions uh, for, for right. you as we uh, take a step inside the user's studio. We end our podcast session with a weekly dose version of the questionnaire that was used masterfully for 24 years by the great James Lipton inside the actor's studio. And the first question is, John Flynn, what is your favorite drug? Uh... I guess marijuana, although I about 10 years ago started taking Ritalin and it's changed my life. So I guess in that way, it's very good. Ah, a marijuana Ritalin <laughs> combination. <laughs> Prescribed legally, but yeah. Sure, sure, sure. Hey, that's none of my business, my friend. <laughs> what is your least favorite drug? Uh, probably cocaine. I guess I've, I haven't done it a bunch, but every single time I've done cocaine, I've needed you know, the classic. I can't stop talking red in the face. I keep asking if I'm annoying. The other thing, though, is I can't stop eating, which is very weird and unique mm. reaction to cocaine. I understand. Yes. But uh, I can't. St- I Every time I've done it, I just could not stop stuffing my face. And I was sort of like, this drug is not for me. It's first of all, it's far too expensive. And then how crazy would it be if I just like blew up and people were like, what happened to John? Like he became a Coke actor. They're like, that makes no sense. That's no sense. Can't be a true. Coke problem. <laughs> anyway, my goodness. 
There's a lot to consume then. You're ingesting through the nostrils, through the <laughs> mouth. It's, yes. it's just a constant. Everything, just one big orifice in my face. Goodness gracious. What age were you the first time you found yourself under the influence? Uh, the first time I smoked pot was on my 16th birthday. Aha, the sweetest of 16s. <laughs> what celebrity's overdose death has had the most profound effect on you? Dude, that's tough. There's so many great ones to choose from. Maybe, I mean, Michael Jackson was the one that I was like, wow. Sure. Also, Philip Seymour Hoffman, I think, is another one. Or Heath Ledger are ones where you're just like, fuck, no. Or Amy Winehouse. And like, yes. Like, obviously, it's, it's tragic when it happens to anyone. But, like, I would say probably skew more to less Michael Jackson because, like, you know, like, he had this great career already. Whereas, like, people like Amy Winehouse, you're like, she was just starting off. Like, imagine right. what we have been denied. Yes, that's a good point. But they're all tragic. What is your favorite slang word for cannabis? Oh, a friend of mine and I call it talking to Rhoda. <laughs> talking to Rhoda. That is a first. That is a first. What drug would you let? Now, this question, uh, I'm going to put a little bit of an asterisk on because okay. uh, I have an actual drug dealer here, a former drug dealer here in the, in the uh, studio. What drug would you like to deal for a living is the question in general, but I will put the asterisk other than cannabis cookies. Gotcha. Uh, anything that's like a euphoric feel good. So, uh, or maybe like mushrooms. Mushrooms are something that like when I was selling weed, people always like, do you know someone who sells mushrooms? It was always hard to find someone, a, a reliable source for that. Yes. And, and I'll tell you, the mushrooms should also maybe go into some sort of baked goods because at times the, the chalky, oh, yeah, yeah, the, the tough the taste to take. Is, yeah. Yes, yes. Uh, what, uh, what drug would you absolutely not like to deal under any circumstances? Uh, again, cocaine, because people who do cocaine are <laughs> real needy. Yes, um, yes. A lot of late nights that you late night. to deal with. Sure. Yeah, not worth it. And finally, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear Amy Winehouse say when you arrive at the pearly gates? <laughs> um, indica or sativa? <laughs> yeah. Yes, indeed. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful. John Flynn, these are your drug users. <laughs> Oh my, oh, that was delightful. That delightful. was delightful. Um, you, have you ever, I went to a taping live once of Inside the Actor's Studio. Did you ever get to do that? I've not here? been, no, 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 no. no. But, it I, was, but I, this will not surprise you. It was for Liza Minnelli. Um, oh, a lot people, yes. <laughs> it just three different people called me like, hey, I have an extra ticket to go see this. Do you want to go? I was like, well, you're the third person. Uh, and it was amazing. How was how Liza? People, like of all people. I mean, yeah, she was, I mean, like she's, I mean, like you want to talk, she, you should have her on your podcast. Um, <laughs> she, <laughs> I mean, she was great and goofy fun. And, you know, James Lipton is just such a pretentious like windbag. Yes. Or just like, you just wanted someone like, I think like her, she would be better suited by like a Graham Norton or someone who's just like, let's just have fun and be ridiculous. Yeah, he um, won't. He refuses to, like, even the, when there's jokes told, he won't take, you know, he takes like, them too mm. seriously. Yes. Yeah, yeah. He's like almost like a therapist where it's just like. Right, right, right. Yeah. What did you mean by making a joke there? And you're like, I was trying to make a joke. Dude, why won't therapists <laughs> take jokes? It's so funny. They, they have <laughs> a hard time. They're terrible audiences for trying out. <laughs> they really <laughs> on. I made my therapist laugh once and it was like such a like a ha i won <laughs> <laughs> yes finally cracked the code man well uh listen john it was it was wonderful to have you on tell uh tell the listeners uh you know your socials where can they find you of course i'm gonna pop this up again sure, sure. In camera here this is uh this is a uh, baked sex drugs alternative comedy a memoir from john flynn i recommend everyone but where where can people follow you uh, you can follow me. I'm on. I mean, I don't. I don't do. I'm bad at social media, but I'm on Twitter, Jfly99. I'm on uh, Instagram at 
John underscore Flynn 99. Uh, I have a podcast with Mark Rennie called Two Old Queens where we have guests come on, they pick a movie and we rate it to figure out, we do a, use a complex and Byzantine scoring system to figure out how gay the movie is. Uh, <laughs> it's a great, um, it's a great program. I wish my buddy Lucas Hazlitt was on. I'd listen to that. Oh so yeah, he's, he's great. Good. Yep. Um, yeah, so those places, you can buy the book on Amazon or my website, johnflynncomedian.com. If you buy it through my website, it is $5 more, but that extra money all goes to the Last Prisoner Project, which is a nonprofit that helps uh, people who are incarcerated for selling marijuana. Hell so, yeah, uh, hell yeah. You get a little, it costs a little more, um, but that money all goes to a great cause. So uh, you can either buy it on Amazon or uh, through my website. Do it through the website. <laughs> thank you. Well, thank you uh, again so much for joining us, John. My pleasure. Thanks again for having me. This was a, such a delight. Ah, awesome. And uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. This has been your weekly dose. Hey, America, there's no use of sleeping with your children, with your daughters, with your sons, and with your husband. Self-Medicated Weekly Dose is hosted and produced by me, Murph Meyer, with support from Pop Culture Collaborative. Our theme song is My Congressman by 15, courtesy of Jeff Ott and Hopeless Records. Original artwork and production design by Diana Kolsky. Thanks so much for tuning in. If you enjoyed the program, you can listen to new episodes of Weekly Dose every Wednesday. Just look for the Murph Meyer is Self-Medicated feed wherever you get your podcasts. While you're at it, subscribe to the Self-Medicated YouTube channel to see new video clips from the show each week. Follow me on Instagram at Murph Meyer. And for some top-shelf harm reduction resources, head over to selfmedicatedpod.com. Also, don't forget, you can call the Weekly Dose podcast anytime to leave me a voicemail message with your thoughts on drugs and the people who use them. Just pick up the phone and dial 443-MK-ULTRA. All right, that's about it for me. I'll see you next week. Love and solidarity. Goodbye.